Genesis 26.1, there was a famine in the land, uh, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went into Amalek, king of the Philistines, and to Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Go now, not down to Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell of thee of. Sojourn in the land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and to thy seed I will give all uh, these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all the countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked him of his wife and said, She's my sister. For he feared to say, She's my wife, lest, uh, he, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at the widow and saw, and behold, Isaac uh, was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife, and how sayest thou she's my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is that hast done to us? One of my people might have lightly have lined with her, with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought a guiltiness upon me, upon us. And Abimelech charged all the people, saying, He that touched this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in the land, received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the men waxed great, and went forward, and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks, and possession of herds, and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the walls, or all the wells, which his father's servant had digged in those days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them, and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. For a few minutes I want to talk on a subject of entitled, A Place Called There. A Place Called There. I want you to realize this morning, there's always a place where God wants you to be. We said again, there's always a place where God wants you to be. There's a place that God has designed to be your place of blessing. A place God has designed for your place of abundance, for your place of overflowing. I'm referring to a geographical location where God's blessings will rest upon your life, will, bless upon your, will rest upon your ministry, and will rest upon your work as well. There's a place called there a place of promise, a place of blessing. If you remain there, you'll experience God's blessings upon your life. You'll experience God's blessings upon your work, and you'll experience God's blessings upon your ministry. We see this truth illustrated in the life of Isaac himself. Notice, if you will, Gerar was Isaac's literal place of blessing. Look in verse 6, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. These five words speak volumes about this man by the name of Isaac. Not only was a man able to hear the voice of God, but he was able to fulfill the will of God in the midst of some very hostile circumstances uh, surrounding his own life. 
There was famine in the land. There was fear in his heart. Uh, there was hostility all around him, but yet he heard the voice of God, and because he heard the voice of God, he chose to remain in the land of Gerar. I remind you that sometimes the will of God is much easier to find than it is to live with. But yet it was the place of blessing. Now the major problem that Isaac had with God's will was simply this. Isaac's place of blessing uh, was disguised as a place of aggravation, a place of annoyance, and a place that was filled uh, with hatred and with hostility. Did you get that? The place of blessing was disguised as a place of hostility and of aggravation and of arrogance, if you will. Isaac was in a foreign land. He spoke a different language, and yet he stuck out like a sore thumb uh, within that particular region. We also know that as he tried to settle on the land, uh, God had promised his family, uh, he felt opposition from every place uh, where he turned. He was forced out of the location uh, once he became successful within that land. And every time he worked hard to establish himself uh, within a new place within that land, his effort were frustrated by the hostility of those that were around him. The Bible said that the Philistines filled in the wells that his father had built. Think about that. If there's no water to drink, uh, there's no way that they can survive. In response, the Bible said that Isaac opened up the wells that his father had dug. Despite the hostility, he kept moving forward, digging wells and naming each well after the particular uh, dispute was there. Notice, if you will, he named the wells Isaac, Asitna, and Rehoboth. Isnik uh, means strife and sitneth means hatred. How would you like to be in the land that God said I'm going to bless and you're surrounded by hatred and you're surrounded by strife and you're surrounded by hostility and yet God said Isaac you are to stay in this land in spite of the hostility, in spite of the hatred, in spite of all that you're going through you stay in that land. Isaac's experience was contradicting the promise that God had given unto him. Gerar uh, was a supposed to be a place of blessing, but it was a place of contention, a place of annoyance, and a place of aggravation, uh, to say the least. Now, with that being said, let's look a bit closer, if you will, at some of the things that Isaac uh, had to go through. First of all, uh, according to chapter 26 and verse 1, there was a severe famine in the land. Somehow, words blessings and famine don't seem to go together, do they? When you think of the blessings of God, you think you're in high clover, you're in high cotton. I mean, it's just you sitting on a cloud, man, and I mean, God is good, the green grass is green, the sky is blue, the water tastes good, and there's sugar in your lemonade. I mean, it's a wonderful place. But the Bible said here that it was a land of famine. How does famine and blessing go together? Abraham experienced the same famine in the same area uh, many years prior to that, and we know what happened to him. Abraham's solution to the problem is let's just pack up and move to Egypt, and that's exactly where Abraham ran from the problem. And now here Isaac is many, many years later, again a famine in the land. And Isaac thought, you know what? I watched my daddy leave this place and bless God, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to pack up, move my family to Egypt, and I'm going to run away from my problem. But what about the will of God, Isaac? What about the word of God, Isaac? What about the promise that God gave you, Isaac? And yet Isaac was ready to pack up and move his family down into Egypt. But but yet we see in the word of God that there was a famine there. I mean, it was as dry as last year's bird's nest. It was dry as a Texas windstorm. If you don't have any food to eat, if you have no water to drink, you are going to die. And God said, but you stay here. This is your place of blessing. Amen. 
And yet we know that uh, Isaac was on his way to Egypt, but God stopped him at the border and he told him, Isaac, this is your place of blessing, not Egypt. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. <coughs> Secondly, not only was a famine in the land, but there was also fear in the land, according to verses 7 through 11. Fear is a major robber of the peace of God. Fear is a major robber of the blessings of God. Fear is a major robber of God himself in your life. And just like his father, Abraham told the men of the city, and he lied when he said, Rebekah is my sister, for fear that they would kill him and take his wife to do with her as they pleased. He learned to do that from his father, Abraham. He pulled the same trick Abraham had done many years later, earlier, for the same reason. It's amazing what we teach our children by way of example. Let me tell you, they are watching us, mom and dad. They're watching us, grandpa and granddad. They're watching us and what we're doing. And we teach some by what we say. We teach some more by what we do. But we teach the most by what we are. And perhaps one of the reasons that God had Isaac to stay in the land of Gerar was to face all the aggravation and hostility, was to get rid, if you will, of the behavior that he had learned from his father Abraham. The cycle of running from problems uh, had to be broken. Uh, the cycle of life for your own benefit had to be broken and the spirit of fear had to be broken uh, within this man's life. Now let me tell you something friend the assurance of God's ability of God's power, of God's favor of God's goodness, of God's place of blessing had to be realized and not rationalized away by the trials and by the tests and by the, uh, the, the, the problems and hostility that came across uh, this man's pathway. I remind you again running from trouble Lying to protect yourself at the expense of another was a moral failure in the life of Abraham and was a failure in the life of Isaac himself. If Jar was to be Isaac's place of blessing, he would have to develop there a better character than what he possessed at the time of this writing. Are you with me? Amen. Thirdly, notice this. There was fighting and conflict in the land. Genesis 26, 15 through 20. I don't know about you, but nothing is worse than living beside neighbors or living in a neighborhood where there's all type of hostility and fussing and fighting. The Philistines failed up the wells that the father Abraham had dug. The wells were extremely important if Isaac and his family were going to survive. How would you like to live in a neighborhood like that? You go to sleep at night and your neighbors come and put salt or sand in your gas tank. That's getting along with your neighbor, isn't it? Uh, they come and they, uh, they dig up your watermelon in your watermelon patch while you're asleep. Or, or they come and they steal your tomatoes off your tomato vine. Or they come and they, they toilet paper your house, whatever the case may be. They're, they paint swatch stitches uh, there upon your doorpost. They, they're, they're saying, we don't want you here. We don't like you here. Get out of the town. It's easier to run than it is to stay. But Isaac said, God promised this is a place of blessing. Lord, if this is your blessings, I'd hate to see you under the curse. You ever feel that way sometime? If this is your blessings, God, I'd sure hate to live under the curse that you may send my way. I remind you, the wells were extremely important. They're going to survive. He had to redig the wells of his father, and that's not easy work. I don't know, friend, if you've ever dug a well, but have you ever tried to redig one? We had to put a well in out here on the property when we first moved in five years ago, and they brought this big machine in, and I mean, it did all the work. Those days, they ain't no machine. 
They didn't even have the picks and shovels like we had today. It was hard, grueling work to open a well that's been stopped up or to redig a well. That was a lot of hard work. But Isaac redug the wells, and the herdsmen began to fight among them, saying, The water's ours, and he called the name of the well Essek because they strove with him. Can you imagine? The Philistines filled up all the wells. Isaac and his crew, they redig them, and now the enemy comes and says, It's our water. That belongs to us. And God, you said you're going to bless me here? You promise you're going to bless me here? What causes so much conflict and so much feuding and so much fighting among people? I say there's many answers to that question as there are people to whom you ask the question of. But I have found in my life more problems, more hatred, more hostility, more fussing and feuding comes from immaturity among adults and jealousy. Immaturity and jealousy. But here in the scripture, we know it was jealousy and envy because the Bible said, and the Philistines envied him. That's one of the driving forces behind the conflict of Isaac and all of his people and the Philistines they're experiencing in the land of Jar. The Bible said, a sound heart is life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Let not thy heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who's able to stand before envy? Envy was a motivating factor that the Jewish leaders had in their heart when they crucified Jesus Christ. For the Bible said, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. God told Isaac in the land of Jar it would be a place of blessing. But his experience was contradicting the promise Get that. His experience was contradicting the promise. How could you be in a land of blessing when you're facing famine, when you're facing fear, and when you're facing hostility? How can you face the hostile world? How can you say, God, this is a land of blessing when you're up to your eyeballs in hot water? How can you say, Lord, this is a land of blessing uh, when your belly is so full of ulcers? How can you say this is a land of blessing when you work your fingers to the bone only to have what you worked for robbed and taken away from you again? How can you do, uh, say it's a place of blessing when you do everything you know to do and then you wake up every day in another park, if you will, Jurassic Park all day long? The hatred hostility of the neighbors was so intense. Isaac persevered. Why? Because he heard from God. Church, that's the secret. You have got to hear from God. I have got to hear from God. God told him, sojourn in the land and I will be with you. I will bless you for unto you and thy seed I will give these countries and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Before the blessings came, there were some rocky roads to travel. There were some lessons to learn. There was some character to be reformed. Uh, there, there was some hostility had to deal with. Uh, there was some uh, particular battles to be fought. For the moment, it was a pitiful place. It was a painful place to work. But Isaac remained faithful in a place called there. Where's your place called there at today? Is it easy? Is it a walk in the park? you have any problems? you have any famine? Any fear? you have any, any people you're hostile with? Are they towards you? you feel like just picking up stakes and running away and say, bless God, uh, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence on the financial septic tank when you get there? There are times when our place of blessing for the season is, di- is disguised as a place of aggravation, 
a place of annoyance and a place of hostility. More times than not, we act like Abraham and Isaac and we run from our place of blessing rather than persevere until the blessing comes. I read a story years ago, I heard a story many years ago about a pastor that was struggling in his church and he didn't like it. He didn't like the people. He didn't like the fussing. He didn't like the fighting. He didn't like any of it. And he didn't know what to do. And he got an invitation from a church in Hawaii to come and pastor. He told his wife, he said, honey, I don't know what to do, but while I go pray, you go pack. (laughs) He was hoping to hear from God, you know. And that's what many times, that's what we do. Friends, we read of too many people in the Bible who ran from their place of blessing and it always got them into trouble. Jonah was called of God, commissioned to God to go to Nineveh, but he ran from a commission. As a result of running, he almost got himself killed. He almost shipwrecked a whole load of uh, of sailors on a ship, and he almost had an entire nation of Nineveh to destroy uh, for time and eternity because of his running from a promise of God or a commission God gave him. We know Abraham ran from what God wanted, and it brought problems to his family. We know that the soldiers of King Saul ran uh, from the situation, and as a result, uh, almost was defeated. And we know the disciples ran from Jesus Christ uh, the day that he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and it almost brought havoc for them as well. There's always option to run and too many people run when the kitchen gets too hot. But let me tell you something, friend. To run is to be in disobedience to God and to run where God says stay is in total disobedience from the Lord. But oh, pastor, if you only knew, friend, let me tell you something. I don't know what you go through. You don't know what I go through. I know one thing. Are we going to grow where God has planted us? Are we going to stay come devil, hell, or high water where the Lord has planted us? Or do we pick up and think, I'm going to go the easy way? Let me tell you something. The easy way is not always the right way. For Jonah, it was the easy way. I'm not going to go down to Nineveh just as sure as I do. I know God will spare that bunch. And they are so wicked. They are so mean. And they have brought all this havoc upon the nation of Israel. And I'm not going to preach to them because God will save them. So he goes down to the Joppa. He has money in his pocket enough to buy the ticket. The boat was going as far away from Nineveh as it could to Tarshish. The sun was shining. The sea was clear. I mean, everything was ready because the ready way, boy, man, it's just got to be the will of God. It's too good only to find out. When you, when you try to make your own heaven on earth, you end up in your own hell. And that's what happened to Jonah. Brothers and sisters, it's running in disobedience because fear has often captivated the heart. Fear often hides the promises of God. Fear hides the blessings of God. Fear is like a temporary insanity, paralyzing the brain, causing us to react rather than to act in the given situation. We have an option to run. We have an option to stay. We have an option to listen to God. We have an option not to. We have an option to fight on the hill we're at. We have an option to flee from where. Running away from God has told you to stay in disobedience. Running is a choice. But friend, if you run away from where God has called you, You are going to miss the blessing of God entirely or you're going to have to cross that bridge again down the road. You're just delaying the inevitable because you'll have to meet it again. May God give us the grace to stand. To stand and to grow right where God has planted us for the glory of God. Now friend, there's a time to run, I assure you. And there's a time to persevere. The choice we make will have far-reaching consequences. Someone said, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. 
Isaac showed some good horse sense. He demonstrated that perseverance he needed to stay in a hostile place. And he, he lived there. He worked there. He worshiped there. He planted there until the blessing of God came. He did at least three things. I want to share them with you now, if I may, about the land of Jar. Number one, Isaac lived in the land. In order for the blessings to depend upon his remaining in the land where God called him to stay. Get what he said here. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Go, down, go not down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I will tell you of. Sojourn in the land. And I will be with you and bless you for unto you. And unto your seed I will give these countries, I will perform an oath which I swear to Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto you the seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statute, and my laws, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. God's concerned about where you live. God's concerned about where you work. God's concerned about where you minister. The blessings of God are personal. The blessings of God are geographical. Grow where God has planted you. Stay in the place where you are in spite of famine, in spite of fear, in spite of frustration, in spite of hostility, and let the promise of God catch up to where you are. It may become your place of blessing a lot sooner than you think. Not only will you be blessed from your blessing, will also bless your family and your family's family. Think about this. Where would the nation of Israel be today had Isaac picked up stakes and run away simply because of his famine, because of the fear that the man was in? Don't let fighting, don't let annoyances, don't let aggravation, don't let circumstances make you run from your place of blessing. Life is hard. The work is hard. The devil is powerful, but God is almighty. The neighborhood you live in may not be the best one, but let me remember this. Remember the promise of God. If all we see is famine and fear and frustration and annoyance and, and, and hostility, all, if that's all we see, we'll never see the promise of God. But it's the promises of God that keep us keeping on. I said it's the promises of God that keeps us in a battle for yet another day. We've got to be true to God who gave us the promise. Secondly, Isaac sowed in the land. Verses 12 and 13. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him and the man waxed great. And he went forward and grew until the become very great. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. Did you notice? Isaac sowed in the midst of trying times. Isaac sowed in the midst of hostile times. Isaac sowed apparently in the midst of a drought and a famine. Sometimes it's better to sow in hard times than it is to sow in valuable times. He sowed for his future rather than reacting to his present and reacting to his past. Did you get that? He was sowing for the future. Amen. He was not doing what he was doing to, to, to do something for the past or for the present. He was sowing for the future. I'm in a famine now. I don't see the blessings now, but I'm going to sow my seed by faith, and I'm going to trust the God to send the sunshine and the rain of his goodness, and I'm going to reap a crop of the power and the blessing of God in my life. It will hold steady and don't give up on what God wants. Notice, if you will, 
He dug wells in the land. There are at least seven references to Isaac digging wells in the difficult season of his life. Did you get that? Seven references to digging wells in the most difficult season of his life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go through those difficult seasons, and I do, I want to go to bed and pull the covers over my head and let me hibernate just like a grizzly bear. Anybody else like that? Wake me up for supper and then leave me alone. I want to go to bedside of Simley and listen to old Brother Pillar preach a message on resting in God. I deserve it because I got this up to my eyeballs with hostility and famine and fear. Hide me from the world, Lord. Not Isaac. It's not a sunshiny day in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood today. But I believe I will sow for the future. I believe I will go ahead and work for the Lord because he has promised me this land and all the annoyance, all the frustration, all the hostility, all these crappy people that are filling up my daddy's wells. I'm going to be blessed of God. Why? I'm persevering. Amen. I'm going on. I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm going to stay where God told me to stay. And I'm going to see the glory of God fill this place one day. It may not be today, but I'm sowing and I'm believing and I'm praying. And I know that God cannot go back on his promise. I know his promises are yea and they are amen. I know that God who said it will be the God who will do it. Why? For his glory and for my good. There's a generation that needs the blessings of God from this place. So he was faithful. From this we learn, brothers and sisters, working in difficult times are hard. Keep on working in the midst of difficult people. Keep on working in hard times when they fill up the, 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 the wells of your life with dirt. Keep on working hard in the present circumstances and keep looking forward to the future and quit dwelling on the present and quit dwelling on the past. Even Paul tells us, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. Does that mean there's a possibility to faint? Did you get that? There's a possibility we can faint in the midst of our jar. Now all that sounds good and dandy, Pastor, but how do we keep on keeping on when we're living and working and ministering in such trying and hostile and annoying circumstances. Well, first of all, if that's you, in all due respect, please know that you're not the first and you certainly will not be the last to be placed in such a quandary. God is not sitting on the throne this morning taking ibuprofen and swallowing Maalox because he don't know what to do in your life. He put you where you are, so buckle up the seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Things will either get better, or they'll get worse, or they'll stay the same. Not a blooming thing you can do about it. I don't know where that came from. Maybe you don't spit out again. Not a blooming thing you can do about it. Things will stay the same. They are. They'll get better, or they'll get worse. You can't do a thing about it. But I want to be blessed. Then stay where you are and begin to sow in the land. Be faithful to the God who called you. Many great men and women of God have been there. And many of you are right there right now waiting on the promised blessing but living with the annoyance. Living with the pain. Living with the famine and the drought. Living in the midst of a hostile environment. David lived like that. David worked in a place like that. Where did he get his strength and wisdom? Keep on keeping on. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, 
Thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Amen. I, can I paraphrase that in my hillbilly translation? God, I know you put me here, but I don't like it. We've got a problem. The problem is this is your will, and I don't want to do it. However, I'm going to. And since I'm in your will, did you see these enemies? Do something for them, God. Do something to them, God. Do something, God, that will glorify your name. Do something, God, that will give me a little more hope for the future. Because I'm not moving. But I know you can move. And you can do something against the enemies. This is your will. This is my, the place I'm supposed to be. Now, God, do something for your glory. He went on to say, In that day when I cried, you answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. Friend, we've got to have something deep down within our heart that keeps us. It's not just a feeling that comes and goes. It's not just getting all pumped up in a worship service. It's not just feeling goosebumps on a worship service. We've got to have something in our soul to say, My heart is fixed. Come devil, come hell, come high water, come hostility, come more annoyance. I am where God has placed me and bless God upon this rock. I'm going to stand and I'm not going to be moved. The enemy may huff and the enemy may puff and I may rock and roll on the rock. But the rock I stand on is not going to move. And God is going to make this place of annoyance a place of blessing one day. And if we'll be faithful in those hard places, he will be faithful to us in those blessing places. Paul lived and ministered in such places in the Bible. It's filled with verses that describe his daily life and how he overcame them. Strength to keep on keeping on is a result of our direct relationship with God. Let me tell you, strength to keep on keeping on when we're surrounded by annoyances is directed to our relationship with God. Paul said at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray that God, it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's the secret to keep on keeping on when it would be easier to run from our problems. Paul prayed that each of us would experience the God-given strength in the midst of life, in the midst of our work, and in the midst of our ministry. We're going to read. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. He also said, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. Stand in the place of your blessing, regardless of the obstacles. They're in your way, regardless of the enemy that stands before you, regardless of the present position and the present annoyance that sucks the very life right out of your soul even today. Let me hasten this morning, if I may. Be bold in your faith. Be bold in your confidence in God. Learn to grow where God has planted you. And understand this, holiness, or boldness, I should say, is the fruit of strength in your soul. Boldness is the fruit of strength in your soul. Thirdly, and finally, Isaac sacrificed in the land. And he built an altar there. And he called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants 
digged a well. Did you notice three times in this verse of scripture, the word there is mentioned. It was there in the place assigned by God that he lived, that he worked, and he sacrificed to the God of his father Abraham. The place of hostility, the place of aggravation, the place of opposition, the, 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 the place of, of, of annoyance. Isaac lived, Isaac sowed, and Isaac sacrificed. He remained faithful in hard places, and God turned that annoyance into a place of blessing for himself and for the future generation in his household. There's a place called there for every one of us. Now I'm going to tell you how it works. When you're in the land and the place where you work and minister and live where God's placed you, and all hell breaking out against you, and you begin to sacrifice, the enemy of your soul says, you are a fool. You're given more of your time, you're given more of your ministry, you're given more of your money, you're given more of this, that, and the other to a place like this. Nobody loves you, nobody appreciates you, nobody sees what's going on. It'd be better for you to run and go away from this place. But as you are sacrificing in the land, God knows and he keeps the books because he understands we are sowing for a harvest in our life. I rem I've read a lot of books by John Maxwell on leadership, the law of sacrifice. He said, and I quote, you must give up to go up. The law of sacrifice maintains that one sacrifice seldom brings success. Sacrifice is an ongoing process, not a one-time payment. It's been said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I played football when I was in elementary school, middle school, and high school. I wanted to get a scholarship to Virginia Tech and impress Don Shula and go to the Miami Dolphins. The problem is I was 140 pounds with a 250 pound heart and that didn't work. But I won't forget our football coach, Dave Ryder. Well, he was, he was an inspiration to so many of us phenomenal high school football coach. He could give us pep talks. We could have played the Green Bay Packers after that talk was over with. Probably could have hurt us, but man, we'd have given him a challenge. That's what we felt like. He was phenomenal. But he would always, we'd come in at halftime, we might be behind by two touchdowns. He'd say, forget the score. I ain't worried about the score. I want to show you how to win the game. And let's do this, and let's do this. And, and man, we was ready, and we'd win half the time, or more times than not when he'd say that. But one thing Dave Ryder always said in practice, come on boys, hustle! Come on boys, hustle! I got another half hour to preach. It's raining on the outside. <clears throat> come on boys and hustle. I still to this day at 65 years of age hear that in the back of my mind. I was mowing the yard yesterday and hadn't mowed it in two weeks and it was up there. And I was out there in that hot sun mowing and I wanted to sit down and get me a cup of water and in my mind, come on son, hustle. Come on son, hustle. Let me tell you, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so many times in my life and let me tell you, it'd be easier some mornings on a Monday morning or a Thursday morning to say, you all can have it, I'm going somewhere else. How many you know what I'm talking about? More pastors resign on Monday and Thursday than any other time of the week. 
But in my heart of hearts, I hear the Holy Spirit, not say hustle, but almost the same way. Get up, buddy. This is the land of blessing. It's the land of promise. You stay until I either release you or you stay until the blessing of God comes. And I believe we've got to have a made up mind to sacrifice in that land where we're surrounded by annoyance, surrounded by frustration, surrounded by all the hostility. But we've got to remain faithful in hard places because God will indeed keep his word. Keep on keeping on until God breaks through or until you know that God has released you from where you are. And we keep on keeping on as we preserve by God's grace and strength, as we stay in the place where God has planted us, he will turn that source of annoyance into the place of blessing. We will have peace with our fellow man. We will have peace with ourselves. We'll have peace with our neighbors. And thank God the neighborhood will even see that God has blessed us. Your enemies will come seeking peace for you. Notice what he said. Abimelech went to him from Gerar. And Ahazazeth, one of the friends, and Pichol, the chief captain of the army, and Isaac said to them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing you hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with you. And we said, Let there be now on oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched you, and not done unto you nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord, and have made the feast. And they did eat and drink, and they rose up bedtimes, uh, bedtimes uh, in the morning, and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Some people are an answer to prayer when they go, and some people are an answer to prayer when they come. But when this old boy showed up, it was an answer to prayer. Even the enemies came to him. Let me tell you something. When you are in your land of promise, and you're being harassed by the enemy, when you're in the famine, when you're in the annoyance, all that, people are watching you whether you realize it or not. And people are seeing something in you that you do not see yourself. They see God's favor. They see God's blessing. They see God's anointing. They see God's touch. They see God's hands upon you. And you may not feel it. You may not sense it. And you may not see it. But they do. And because you are faithful in the midst of the annoyance, you are faithful in the midst of the hostility, you are digging wells when they are laughing at you. And they go, there's something in that guy that's different. I do recognize that God is with him. And if God's going to take care of him, we better have peace with him before something happens to us. God has a way of even making our enemies come to peace with his people. In this case, Abimelech came to Isaac with an answer to his prayer and the beginning of God's promised blessing in that land called there. God turned the source of Isaac's frustration of hostility into powerful, seen, fell, and an experienced blessing. There's some situations you haven't lived long enough yet to see God turn that thing around for you. But if you're in the land of blessing he called you, you hold on. God will not lie. And God will do as he said he would do. God can make your annoyance your advocates. God can make your enemies your future allies. He can make your foes your friends. He does it over and over again. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which had digged and said, We have found water. Well, in the valley they dug several more wells, but get this one. 
He named it Rehoboth, signifying the hope that had was a place where God had prepared for him. And he said, And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not, for he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Two of the wells they called hostility and strife. This one they've made room for us. <laughs> you may be frustrated and annoyed in your land of promise. You may not like what your land of promise looks like. As I say, it could be disguised with annoyance and hostility and frustration. But God so wants us to have a well today. And we must dig that well through praise and worship. We must dig that well through prayer. We must dig that well through Bible reading and study. We must dig that well by showing our faith to our God. And we must dig that well by our faithfulness to the Lord. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Spring up all well on the inside of me. Because friends, we're going to be blessed. We are blessed, but we're going to be blessed of God if we'll continue to be faithful in the land of blessing, even when it's surrounded by annoyance, famine, frustration, and hostility. I hope to God it makes sense. There is a place called there. And make sure there is where you are. Make sure there is where you camp out. Make sure there is where you work. Make sure there is where you witness. Make sure there is where you do your ministry. And you hold on because your faith will turn into sight. The anointings may simply be disguising the future blessing and rich, rich reward God has for you in that place called there, your modern day job. Father.